0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on you good humans and welcome back to Good Humans Podcast. This is guest episode number 79 and our last episode before Christmas in 2022. So thank you so much for tuning in. It has been a... Unbelievable year! I can't believe how nice this year has been for Good Humans Podcast. I'm so grateful for every single one of you. If you tuned in, if today's your first episode, please make sure you leave us a little review on Apple Podcast. If you enjoy it, share it on your Instagram story. Leave us five stars and make sure you hit like and subscribe. If you're someone who does listen frequently, please do us a huge favor. If you aren't subscribing already, please hit that button, leave us five stars, and yeah, make sure you tell your friends because I'm so grateful how much we've grown this year. But I think we can absolutely smash it next year too. A little Merry Christmas to a few people because everyone who signed up or filled in the Good Humans podcast survey went in the draw to win two $250 vouchers to the Good Human Factory website and the two winners are Lily Rose and Todd Hamilton. So I know both of you are frequent listeners from your survey um, results. So hopefully you hear this and you'll be getting in touch. Well, I will be getting in touch with you to give you your vouchers. So congrats guys and Merry Christmas. All right. Today's episode is going to be a very fun one. So a good friend of mine by the name of Aiden Walsh, who I guess you'd call him an entrepreneur. He's just had such a unique story and it was really cool to hear how he's gone through life. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. So he grew up in Western Australia on a pearl farm, which is so unique obviously to be living half on a boat with his family um, chasing pearls out in the ocean. And then Yeah, grew up in Perth after that from about the age of 12, went to school there, but then went over to Monaco and became a yacht broker and just went out on a limb and chased a random dream of traveling and setting up a life. Um, From there, he went to America and had a weird opportunity that landed him to become a club or restaurant slash club owner in LA, which is just a crazy story, which you won't believe. And then he's gone on to... um, found his own luggage or luxury luggage label called Aid in the Brand, which is just so cool. The um, quality of everything is epic. It will all be in the show notes. So, yeah, this is going to be a really fun episode. Or one last thing, if you've been really enjoying these podcasts, The Good Human Factory, my mental health organization, which I'm sure everybody who listens to this knows all about, um, we're going to be doing some really new, exciting stuff with our merch coming into 2023. So we want to really try and get rid of a bunch of our stock. We do have quite a few things still sitting on our shelves that we want to clear. So on Boxing Day, we're going to have a, uh, 30% off sale site-wide. So make sure you put that in your calendars. Go help us clear the shelves. Um, we're going to be coming into next year really hot. And yeah, it's going to be your last chance to pick up a few of the items that are on the shelves now. And yeah, 30% off. So go head over to the website and everything will be 30% off on Boxing Day. Enough about that, let's jump into today's podcast. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Adam Walsh. How you going, mate? Good, Kurt.
1: How are you, mate? You well? I'm very well, man. All it's um, a beautiful day here over in it your is, place. At, is. Where I'm are we? Pretty, Coogee? Uh, Bronte. Bronte. Pretty fortunate to live in a uh, place like Sydney, especially when the weather's good. I mean, um, we've had pretty bad weather over the last year or two, but we have now finally getting good weather, so... Working and living here every day is a blessing, mate. I'm very blessed. Yeah, it,
0: it's an absolutely incredible spot you are here. And thanks for inviting me over to well, of course, catch man, up of with course. this chat. But yeah. today's going to be all about you, getting to know your story. Awesome. I like to start sometimes with guests to explain how we met each other because it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah. Just, ran- It's always you meet a random Aussie overseas yeah, and you just automatically get along. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell maybe my part of the story So I was thinking about it driving over here, and I was like, yeah. "Out." I feel like we probably only chatted for like ten, or maybe like twenty minutes, twenty that minutes that or night.
1: so. But it was, it was, it was a, it was, a uh, it was just a connection, wasn't it? When you think of it, it was a, um, you know, a short, you know, short, brief conversation. But the connection we spoke about, I feel, was just. And, you, know, you, you know, when you connect with someone, it just it just hits home. And you know when someone's a good person. Yeah. And I think that's where we kind of kicked it off.
0: Which was at, in LA at Rufus at like yeah. a random after party <laughs> that I somehow snuck into and yeah. met you there. And I remember being so fascinated after talking to you like, oh, why, what are you doing here as just another young Aussie? And you're yeah. like, why? I did this and now I'm like a part owner of a club and yeah. this and I was just like holy shit I gotta get you on the podcast one day and yeah. here we are about a year over a year over later a year later I know I know the first time we've seen each other since then so yeah, it's, um,
1: yeah. it has isn't it because when was that it must have been um, it was about
0: a year ago yeah November it was during
1: during COVID still
0: yeah wasn't it it was LA I think like the last yeah. week of October
1: yeah. 2021 yeah 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 crazy story how I ended up getting getting to LA during that point but um obviously because it was still rampant here with COVID so um, myself getting there was obviously one thing, getting exemptions and everything leaving, but it just all happened, I think, for a reason as well, which is quite bizarre.
0: Yeah, well, we're going to catch back up to that part of the story. But yeah. the first question I do open Good Humans Podcast with yeah. is What are you grateful for right
1: now? What am I grateful for? I think my health, my family, I think um, obviously my surroundings. Um, very grateful for that. I think, you know, we sometimes overlook the fact that we are healthy, we get to wake up each day we get food on our table and we've got a family and mm. one of the biggest things in life I've found is that uh, doing things like that in the morning and, and saying what you're grateful for really sets your day and, and helps with your own mentality mm. um, in life and I think bringing that positivity to everything you do um, has been a huge um, uplift in my life I think and I, I know obviously you do it each day and as as much as I don't post it, I think you know it's something I just say to myself every day. What am I grateful for? And like I said, just just waking up every day, knowing that you're healthy, knowing that you've got food on the table, knowing that you've got a beautiful family and that people that care about you. And I mean, you know, in this surrounding, it's pretty pretty magical. It's
0: amazing. You just need to recognize it sometimes for to sure. understand. Yeah, there is so much to be grateful for. I'm just gonna shut this door.
1: Yeah, mate. No worries. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Sweet. So let's, um, before we really get into your story, just yep. introduce yourself. Sure. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Sure. So my name's Aidan Walsh. I originally hail from Broome, Western Australia. I like to say I am somewhat of an entrepreneur. I have been in multiple businesses um, throughout my lifetime. And I think the main thing now, what, what a lot of people know me for is Aidan the brand, which is my own suitcase, luggage and accessories brand.
0: Amazing. So we're going to catch up how that all came about, yeah, but yeah. now we're going to go back and start from the start. So where'd yeah. you grow up? What was life like as a kid, siblings, family life and yeah. Yeah, school?
1: Yeah, awesome. So, uh, mate, I grew up in Broome, Western Australia, uh, a small coastal town off the north coast of um, WA. And that in itself was, you know, it was a small coastal pearling town. And my father and my mother, um, they were pearl divers uh, back in the 80s. And then decided to create their own pearl farm. And then, you know, in the 90s, obviously I popped out. I came along, and um, mate, we lived up in Broome with uh, myself, my two sisters, and my mum and dad. And that was a, uh, is that right? Um, it was a pretty uh, amazing experience, I must say, uh, living in Broome and being in that era of the of the 90s and early thousands, when it was still such a small coastal town, um, not the tourist booming town it is today, but Living there was more so for me. It was, it was almost like I was a, a, a country kid. I yeah. lived my life in this, you know, small part of Broome where it was a lot of bushland and, and you know a lot of the indigenous were there who, um, you know, I became really good friends with. I was in a small class, um, Broome Primary School, and um, a lot of my friends over there and a lot of my classmates were indigenous. So I got to understand the indigenous culture tremendously well um, and have so much respect and admiration for the indigenous people. But um, for myself living in Broome and having the pearl attributes of my family, a lot of the time we spent out at sea as well. So you could say I lived half on a boat and half on land. And um, yeah, it was a pretty unique experience, I think. And I I guess, you know, what am I grateful for what we started with? I think that upbringing, because I really think that molds you into the person who you are today and continue to want to be um, yeah. and just push boundaries. But, yeah, mate, so I, I grew up in Broome until I was uh, 12 and then my family decided to send me down to Perth uh, in the city for school, for wow. uh, secondary schooling, which is um, yeah, high school there.
0: Wow. So you, that's so interesting growing up as a family of Pearl Farmers, like yeah. such a unique adventure-based lifestyle. And obviously now with the travel that you do and setting up work all around the world mm. – must have come from that kind of early days
1: understanding of breaking free of that normal lifestyle. Of yeah, absolutely. As we call it. Like, Absolutely, mate. I think, um you know, the biggest thing for me was I knew Broome was always going to be there um, mm. and I've been a real advocate for getting outside your comfort zone and outside the box, so to speak, but still maintaining your grassroots and the humbleness that you've come from a place such as Broome, which is so special and truly unique to me especially with all the culture and and the, um, and the traditions that I got to grow up with. It was really, it was, a, it was an incredible place. So I'm very humble and grateful for my family to, to obviously settle there and, and live there. And we still got ties to Broome, so we still have a family home there. Nice. So my mom and my um, sisters go up there all the time. I don't go there as much anymore, um, just with everything else going on. But um, when I do, it still feels like home. So I think, you know, when, when you do find that place, which you like to call home, I do like to say it's still Broom in my heart, but um, I guess yeah, I haven't been there for a long time. But growing up there, was it was amazing.
0: That's so yeah. cool.
1: It sounds, yeah, such a unique upbringing. And like you said, it's so cool to
0: as well have that connection to culture and understand yeah. the Indigenous culture. Yeah. I think it's something that a lot of city kids miss and it's something that Absolutely. I wish I understood a bit more. And I bet I was lucky enough when I lived in Byron in 2020 to live with um, – a friend of mine, Jack Wilson, who's yeah. Indigenous, and got to learn a bit more about it. And I think it's so important that we all it is, yeah, have to absolutely get immerse yourself in it. Not just from the fact of it being taught to you at school because it's yeah. kind of they have to tick the box, yeah, but actually being friends with Indigenous people mm. and understanding the culture, I think, would have been such a oh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: a great way to grow up for sure. I think um, you know when you do get to understand and educate yourself on the culture, um, and you get to immerse yourself in in that environment. It really was a um, a special time for me because similar to you uh, I guess you do have friends who who are indigenous and still lifelong friends mm. and when I go back there it's amazing to see you know where they're at in life and what they're doing and um, just you know they're so they're so happy yeah. you know I think the the country life in which they've created in Broome and a lot of my friends created in broome uh, they' they're so content and it just goes to show that. You don't have to go out and do all these things to, to be happy and content. Mm. Um, and I just really appreciated my my time there. And obviously, growing up, we had um, you know we had uh, this beautiful place in Broome, and we had motorbikes and we had te- tennis courts. So after school, we'd always to come back to our place and always um, you know muck around and get on the bikes. And we had a lot of bushland around us, so that upbringing was very much like living on a farm. But you know, you're in a small you're in a yeah. small town, and then you'd go out on a boat so it was a really cool cross you know surf and turf type scenario yeah um but yeah mate i'm so so grateful for that and um yeah obviously a lot of my indigenous friends who i'm still really close with today
0: that's so cool so then you turn what twelve and you go 12, to high school and yeah. you get sent down
1: to go to boarding school? But- I didn't go to boarding school, so I was uh, I was fortunate enough uh, to not go to boarding school. I didn't really didn't want to go to boarding school, um, and I didn't really want to leave Broome. I was I was probably the one out of my family the most who didn't want to leave Broome. Uh, my older sister she went to boarding school, so she went to St Hilda's uh, in Perth, and um, mate she did one year there. And then she decided that was enough and my mum decided that was enough as well. And we actually all moved down uh, to Perth from Broome, nice. um, which was, which was you know, it was really tough at the time because I went, to, I went to Cottesloe Primary for year seven. So going through, you know, I guess primary school and having all your friends in Broome and living this beautiful life in Broome to going to a city where you had to wear ties and short shorts and high socks. Uh, juxtaposed to not wearing shoes at all in Brougham yeah. <laughs> when you go to school it was a um, yeah quite a different scenario so at, at first I didn't I didn't like it at all um, you yeah, know I really disliked the city life um, but as as you say you adapt to change and you adapt to new environments and man I had the best year of my life and year seven for me in Cottesloe Prime it was amazing um, I met so many wonderful friends who I'm still friends with today but it was just the transition at first was obviously hard, but yeah, you, know, you, you get used to it. And um, yeah, so I went to Cottesloe Primary. So and they had primary school in year seven still? Primary though? school. Yeah. Year seven. Yeah. yeah so
0: in New South Wales, year seven is the first year of
1: high school. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So year seven's uh, uh, in year WA. So yeah, it might've changed recently. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, yeah year seven was the last school of prim- uh, last year of primary school and then went to high school. So I went to Scotch college, which is a private boys school. Yeah. And again, um, I think, you know, coming from from Broome and a public school and then going to a private boarding – not boarding school, but it has borders obviously, but a private boys' school um, was such a huge change for me as well because now you're going to a private boys' school, which is a really reputable school in Perth, um, and being outside your comfort zone again. But, mate, it was – tremendous one, one thing I do you know thank my parents for every day it's it's you know getting me out of room education yeah. good good education and just lifelong mates you know my closest friends are still my mates who I went to school with uh, and we've got such a tight bond and that will never change I think you know with myself being overseas for so long and coming back you know you've got a true friendship when you can catch up with someone and you haven't seen them for a couple of years and nothing's changed yeah um, and it's a beautiful thing and I think that's what really created such a great dynamic by going to a private boys school because you really form a camaraderie Mm. um and and a bond with your mates and um yeah mate it was it was a truly special time in my life and i do thank my parents every day for that
0: yeah it's so cool that you can reflect on that and be so grateful for it yeah when you're at school what was your say vision for your future did you have an idea of what you were thinking of doing after school were you into sport? Oh yeah. Was it like sport or academic was your yeah. focus? And yeah, when you were getting towards the end of high school, yeah. what was the kind of dreams and goals career wise?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing for me during my high school years was sport. Sport played a huge part in my upbringing. And I think a lot of that came from Broome as well. You know, being such an active um, kid when I was younger and playing a lot of football. Um, so at Scotch, I played a lot of football and and swam a lot. Um Sport to me was just—it was a great way again to to socialise and be with your mates and 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 have a really um have a really strong form of camaraderie again. But um, when I was you know doing sport, obviously the academic side of it—you're going to this really privileged school, and you know you don't want to waste your parents' money, so mm. you you obviously have to um you know take the education seriously. And I probably was one who did and I didn't I, I was uh i like to um I played around a bit at school obviously as, as we all do but I think um know, yeah, as as you go through your, your high school years and you finally get to that you know year 11 and year 12 mark and things start to become really real when you're when you're studying for TE and which is you know your final examination yeah. to get into university um it really then turned a turn a path and I started to obviously take the education seriously and but um, yeah, I mean, during that time, I, I didn't think I wanted to go to university um, and I, I thought to myself, you know, I would like to either go down the sporting route or I'd like to go down the nautical route, which was obviously going back to the Pell farm and managing the Pell farm of, of uh, my family and um, getting my licensing tickets to basically skip a boat so you could do that. And um, in 2008, just before the GSC, my dad actually sold the Pell farm. Oh. So that took a spin on obviously what I wanted to do. And um, he ended up moving down to Perth to be closer to us, to us all. So that was, that was a beautiful thing. Um, But I guess, um, yeah, leading up to year 11 and 12, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think sport played a huge part in what I wanted to do, but obviously um, the educational path, university didn't really seem like a thing I wanted to do at the time. Interesting. Um, So then
0: when you finished school, what was that next chapter?
1: So I finished school. I actually, um, I worked, um, as a landscaper for six months just to save enough money to go backpacking. So I, d- I took a gap year, uh, I took a gap year and I went backpacking for six months overseas. You worked
0: for six months as a laborer,
1: yep. six months. Traveling. Six months of traveling and, um, mate, I did it, you know, like, like a proper backpack of wood. It was, you know, hostels and, you know, backpacks on your back and, all of those little things and it was a um such a cool time in my life because you really get to understand you know culture and independency and all these things at such a young age um and i went there with a couple of mates who you know we're still really good friends with to this day but um i did that for six months and then i finally came back to um to australia uh where i went back to perth and you know i think that's when i almost had to be uh, real to myself and say, listen, what, what do I want to do? Do I want to go down the nautical path or do I want to go to university? And you know, fortunately enough, I, I passed my exams and got a high enough TE score to go and study commerce um, at university. And my mom was probably the big advocate in pushing me to obviously go get a uh, secondary education and a degree where my dad wanted me to go down the nautical route. So I ended up going to TAFE uh, in Fremantle and completing some of my uh, licensing courses to skipper boats, and then I also went to university um, at Curtin and studied commerce as well. So I was juggling two things at once. Launches. Yeah, yeah, which was um, which was quite quite a cool experience as well. Um, I ended up getting my licensing tickets first because it was obviously a shorter, shorter duration. duration, and that was great. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And uh, whilst whilst studying, um, so that took me into you know two years out of school. Year three, I ended up going back to my dad's pearl farm or ex-pearl farm um, and actually skippering a boat. So I lived in Broome uh, when I was, yes, I would have been nine, 19. Wow. 19, I lived in Broome again, um, which was a really uh, unique experience again. Coming back to Broome from you know, living there when I was 11 to mm. coming back to when I was 19, obviously so much had changed. But Again, it's something where um, you just adapt, but yeah, I did that. So I went on the da- my dad's ex-pearl uh, farm, um, which was which was a really uh, gritty, grotty, dirty experience. Um, you know, you're, you're up at four in the morning, you're basically skippering out in these rough oceans, cleaning long lines, getting algaes and barnacles and chipping away at pearl shells. Uh, yeah, very gritty, dirty job, um, but man, I, I enjoyed it at the time. Um, I did it for six months, and then it came to summer uh, in Europe again. And I decided to go over to Europe um, and use the money I had saved up during pearl farming uh, to go over to Europe and spent, you know, the six months over there um, while still studying um, externally um, with my uh, with my um, commerce degree. commerce degree. Yeah, and um, mate, it got to the end of that year, and I was I was twenty. And I had this spur of the moment thing where I was like, do you know what? I don't think college or well, I guess university, I keep yeah, from American yeah. terminology. I, I don't think university is for me. And I don't think the nautical lasts for me. So I had this real fork in the road of what a, what, what I wanted to do, do and yeah. where I wanted to go. And I had two years under my belt with, with Curtin. I just finished my um, coxswains and my master five, which allows you to drive a boat up to a certain amount of meters commercially. Um and I just didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was in this limbo stage, um, which took me to I guess me ending up uh, living overseas or moving overseas and trying to find a new life over there. So where'd you move when you
0: yeah. first decided? You know, I don't want to move overseas.
1: So man, I actually moved to Monaco out of all places, which was uh, quite bizarre. Mm. I um I actually ended up pestering a guy called Steve Kidd and he was a really successful yacht broker, similar upbringing to myself. He lived in a place called Mikathara, which was a real remote part of um, WA. Um, so he and I obviously had that connection instantly. But, um, mate, when I was 20, I kept pestering him um, for a job, basically, to become a yacht broker. And I thought, rather than being on water, why don't I, you know, boats sell to me. Boat, yeah, Yeah, so, sell boats. And, you know, yachts to me was always a passion because yeah. of my family and, you know, getting my tickets and, you um, I pestered him for six months and he just wouldn't wouldn't uh, accept my application to go work with him. And, um, mate, it got to June uh, when I finally told my mum that I wasn't going to continue with university and I was literally at the final stages of completing my degree. Oh, no. And she Thanks. was obviously very upset with it all, <laughs> oh. uh, as as you would, but um, – yeah, it just, just got to a stage where I just, you know, I had that light bulb moment. Now I thought to myself, you know what?
0: This isn't it. Yeah. This isn't it.
1: And if I think, you know, life's life short. So mm. if I don't give it a crack, I can always come back and finish my degree. So I basically deferred, um, told her I would finish it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, deferred. And I ended up speaking with Steve. And he said, listen, if you're serious, meet me here on a certain date in the south of France at this beach club called Nikki Beach. Um and I'll i you know you basically if you're serious you, you're going to be there. So I said to my mom I'm going to Monaco. She goes you're crazy. I go I know but well yeah why not uh, why not I got to yeah. try it yeah. and um I got a group of the boys together and we all went to uh, South of France to Saint Tropez and it was the biggest eye opener I've ever experienced in my life. It's you know where the rich and the famous play has so much history and culture. You're seeing some of the biggest yachts in the world. You're seeing helicopters land on yachts, private jets everywhere. It was just the craziest eye opener I've ever experienced um, myself personally. But
0: as in you know, an eye opener to understand that there's like a different kind of wealth yeah, in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, Australia with all the with, uh, with commodity and agricultural sectors, we got so much money here in Australia. But I think seeing it all in one, one place, you know, obviously, Australia is so big and we've got many, yeah. you know, rich, rich cities, but seeing it all in one place in St. Tropez, this small, little coastal town uh, was just phenomenal. Um, so man, I ended up going to Nikki Beach with the boys and we're all sitting there, there was 10 of us. And um, yeah, he, he he walks in and he sends me a message saying, I'm here, where are you? And I said, we're the group over at the back, there's 10 of us. Um, and he walks over and he's with his um, previous, uh, well, he was with his uh, girlfriend at the time. And um, he comes over to me, uh, well, comes over to the table and he goes, okay, which one's Aiden? <laughs> and um, I stand up and uh, his his girlfriend at the time goes, he's hired. <laughs> and hired me on the spot, wow. um, which was quite amazing. And then Matt, I essentially lived with them, traveled everywhere with them for three three years.
0: Wow, selling boats. Yeah, boat.
1: selling boats. So I was living in Monaco and uh, Saint-Tropez. So they had a place in Monaco and then they actually had a boat in Saint-Tropez. So again, I lived on, lived on a boat for quite some time. Wow. And um, lived in Monaco of all places, and I was only 21. So, I
0: had no idea I mean, how to vote, No you, idea. Yeah. I had,
1: had, had an understanding, I guess, of um, of the financial element to it. But I think a lot of brokerage, similar to it, real estate, it's all relationships and rapport. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for myself, I'm a very outgoing person. So, this to me was such a great. Uh, thing to, to do and I had such a love and passion for boats mm. so mate, I uh, lived with them half of the year in the south of France and then lived with them in Florida in Miami for the other half of the year wow. and we did three months of bouncing back and forward and um, obviously so grateful to both Steve and Runda for what they've done for me during that time and and still you know to this day what they continue to do for me it um, really for a young person at such a young age being in a place like Monaco where a lot of your friends were 35 plus years mm-hmm. old because, you know, you're the youngest kid there um, was the coolest experience I could have ever had just for, from an independency point of view. Yeah. Um, and then obviously so thankful to my, to my parents for obviously supporting me through that time as well because, yeah. you know, you're a young kid, you're living in a place such as Monaco. Obviously, the financial obligations to live in a place like that is quite extreme. So, yeah, so I, how were
0: you making money when you first got there? You were just kind of like, mate. So I had a bit of savings. savings. Yeah, just living off was savings. Paying you like working with him or no, no.
1: So was, mate, we um no. So it was basically an intern, but um yeah, man. I just basically lived off savings, yeah. and then obviously had the, the had the um help from my parents as well through those tough times. Was there but like a
0: carrot dangling that you can start making money with him? or Absolutely.
1: It- yeah, we, we ended up doing like quite well. Yeah. Uh, we, we did a lot of deals together, which was great. We focused a lot on, on, deals, yeah, yeah. on the charters. And um, we didn't actually sell a, sell a boat, but we did a lot of charters. And yeah. charters for us were great. Yeah. He had a lot of clients already. And it was just a really cool experience because you know my day-to-day jobs with him was, was basically he'd drop me out a dock. And I'd just go up and hit up every single boat um, or owner on the boat if they wanted to sell their yacht or they wanted a charter or whoever it may be. Or you'd go to a beach club and you'd just network around a beach club or you'd go to a restaurant at night. It was a really unique experience that, like I've never experienced, but um, yeah, from a young age, you you really got to understand the urge of independency um, and, and how important rapport is. Yeah. Rapport to me is, yeah, I think that's the one, number one thing I've learned from networking. Yeah, relationship is building. Relationship is so building, so important yeah
0: yeah so cool and now the, i didn't say i didn't know any of this because totally <laughs> i'm like how the hell did you end up in la yeah you've been a part owner of the club so yeah yeah yes yeah. um get into that yeah i mean is that the next chapter that's is the next chapter you're yeah, so yeah you're finishing up on the boats what makes you want to leave boats? doing that because i'm guessing um, there is like I the, think a great financial
1: absolutely kickback if you start getting successful in that absolutely industry yeah absolutely and i think the way in which you know my old boss Steve looked at it he focused on the whales we like to call them you know the whales yeah. the big boats the big you know expensive stuff and so you know when you do charter get a charter from one of them it's it's quite a lucrative industry yeah. but you know gosh it's tough yeah it, it's few and far between right yeah. Um, so mate I was 24 and I had just flown into LA I went for, I was you know I wanted to go for a holiday I had a bit of money saved up um, from yacht brokering and I uh, yeah flew into LA and I just remember, yeah, even being as a kid watching like the OC and these sort of things and Lords of Dogtown and that sort of um, era, flying in over LA and you see the Hollywood sign, you see the hills and it was just such a, um, I like to say it was such a uh, urge to to me to almost move there. It was something where, you know, when you just get that feeling when something feels so right. Mm. I literally had that moment and I landed on the tarmac and I was like, I don't know what it is. I haven't even stepped foot yet on California soil, but this feels so right to me. Wow. And, um, mate, I ended up staying there for for six months and basically kicked it there and met people through, you know, there's a lot of Australians over there, so I was fortunate enough to meet different different groups from Australia so on, and then then, on a holiday visa on a holiday visa yeah yeah so i did um went out and in after 3 months yeah yeah exactly so i did did uh yeah so i did um i did 3 months there on, on an Esther and then i left and came back to australia and then i went back to america and did another 3 months and just was holidaying there yeah um and then it got to a, a point where you know, we started going out a lot. You know, I was now, you know, 24. So, you know, over there, I was 21. But I started, you know, I think that's the age where you start going to these big nightclubs and, and that sort of realm. And it was, um, man, I started going into uh, this place a lot called Warwick. And it was a really bina- bizarre scenario, but how they became our business partners. But, um, man, we're going to this club called Warwick. There was a discrepancy one night with a bill. And the next morning, I ended up calling up warwick and saying hey guys sorry there's the discrepancy with the bill um is there anything you know we can do about it and the owner uh sylvan bitten you know great great friend of mine and business partner I'm lucky to call him business partner as well um called me back and said listen uh why don't you come in here and, and see us um and we'd love to have have you here for a night it's all com- complimentary and, you know, sorry about the discrepancy. And I was like, sure, oh, that's so what happened." Nice. They
0: stuffed up with a bill or something? Yeah, or?
1: yeah. They stuffed up with a bill and, um, I, you know, not not their fault, but just just happens it when happens. it's a busy nightlife. Yeah. And, um, and, mate, so I ended up going there a couple of nights later and I went to, went to Warwick and it was before the club opened and I sat there with um, JT, who's my business partner, and a guy called Dave Jarrett, who also is my business partner. And we just talked shop and we just – Similar thing to I guess you and I, we just connected so so well, um, and mate ended up having a blast of a night with them, and then the next day we we ended up catching up again, and then we just formed such a, an amazing relationship over the the many years of being there, and then just seeing what they were doing and and where I was at, I didn't know my next move obviously because I wasn't a yacht broker anymore, and I wanted to basically invest into something, um, and. Not, not work for someone in a way. I think that's when that entrepreneurial element started kicking in. I always knew I didn't want to work for someone per se, but I wanted to have this life of freedom and, and do my own things and create different things and, and, and work on many projects. And, um, mate, I had the opportunity to invest into a club with them um, and a restaurant. And this was back in, uh, yeah, 2016. So I just decided to do it and um it took a couple of years to develop but yeah we ended up going into business with one another and um yeah into the clubbing space in LA so again going from I guess yacht brokerage to working on boats to university to now like you know owning a club and 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 a restaurant and doing all those sort of things was just it was crazy so I did that and that's like 26 um, 26 yeah good on you man that's, yeah yeah
0: was, that's just a, such a great story of just like going for going it going for like, it yeah taking phone calls and you know what I mean so many people like wouldn't even call up about a discrepancy on no, a No exactly or,
1: like, yeah 100% 100% uh, and I um mate, still to this day we still talk about it it was just such a it's such a bizarre way on, on how you meet and you know normally if there's this a discrepancy you someone's like, pretty unhappy yeah, and yeah. <laughs> but I um I never really I yeah, I'm I'm not an angry person I just yeah, I think you just at the end of the day, you just want to come to a general resolution or conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, work work with someone on it. And I think I think that's where the yacht brokerage stuff really came to play because you get to understand how people barter and negotiate and all those things. But this wasn't anything like that. It was just a you know, simple conversation, really respectful guy. Um, invited me there and then next thing you know, we ended up becoming business partners. Yes,
0: they
1: took us through the bar and um um, people can check it out. Yeah, so mate, we uh it's called the Hideaway. Uh so we got a new new place on Rodeo Drive called the Hideaway. It opened in August this year. Wow. Um it took five five years to build just because of the extremity of the project. It was a really you know large project. It's it's a bar, it's a restaurant, it's a step above a restaurant, step below a club um and it's just a really cool swanky place um on rodeo drive which is the first hospitality venue on rodeo drive obviously being so prestigious and being one of the most well-known streets in the world um it's been a really cool thing to to be involved with so uh it's a mexican fusion uh and steakhouse as well so it's been a um really cool place for people to go and network and mingle and um yeah, the the build out itself is phenomenal, but yeah, people can go check it out. It's on Redayo Drive, yeah, uh, called serious. the Hideaway. So I'll leave the address yeah. and stuff in the show notes. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know,
0: when I I was just saying, I was literally been talking about this this week. This is the yeah. first year since I was like eleven that I haven't gone overseas. Really? So no way. Crazy. but when yeah, yeah. I get back overseas, LA is definitely on my list
1: for, next ah, for year, sure. So I'll
0: definitely come check it out. For sure,
1: man. Yeah, it's been a um, it's been a really cool um, moment for us. I guess just waiting so long for it to for it to open and we had a lot of obviously rules and regulations and permits to pass um during the time of of the build so you look at you know the expectancy from being a 2 year project which stretched out to 5 yeah, and the then COVID with, COVID, and then covid yeah up, covid yeah. slowed it down for you know 18 months so wow. um that itself hurt because obviously during that time our rent period started so we started paying rent mm-hmm. and we had construction work and so we obviously had to dip more capital into that. So yeah, again, another stressful thing to worry about. But um, man, we did it. You know, it's it's open and it's um, yeah it's doing well. And we've got some amazing business partners. Some we've got some really well known people from America yeah. who are involved. And then we've got some well known people in the hospitality scene. And again, it's just a really cool group of investors and and managerial um, team who who came together to create something magical.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I'm so excited to go check it. Yeah, out. It's, it's cool. Yeah, epic.
1: yeah, yeah. Let's
0: rewind just a little bit because during all this, Aiden, the brand starts too. Yes, yes. um, Yeah, yeah. let's talk about that because obviously it would have taken quite a bit of capital to get this, um, the bar up and running. Absolutely. So, we like just did you have a fair bit of savings from the brokerage, and you just invested that, yeah, but then at the same time you need to invest capital to start your own brand, yeah as well. so yeah, yeah, well, let's um, rewind I guess back to where back that comes to it into play. yeah,
1: so before I got involved into the, the hospitality side, there was a, a year and a half there where I had an opportunity um, to invest into a medical organization. Which focused on allergy testing and immunotherapy,
0: and that was when you're in LA. That was when I was in LA. You first started meeting the warrior yeah, guys. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it, obviously you're building rapport and, and everything, but you obviously you need to work and yeah, you, you, or dangerous. you want to work and you want to find something to do. Yeah. Um, and I ended up um, I know investing into this allergy testing and immunotherapy um organization, and um, mate, that just operated out of uh, California. And um, mate, that was a that was a really cool thing. It was basically anyone who had had allergies they were able to be tested by a doctor so we basically created a a program where you would bring the services to the doctor similar to here in australia where you have to if you want your allergy tested, you have to go to a specialist yeah but the doctor then misses out on the revenue so we created a um a platform over there where you could get tested by by your physician um they bill for the service they obviously get remunerated for that service and the patient doesn't have to wait six six weeks to go see a specialist. Uh-huh. So we created a yeah, platform that when did you said allergy we, testing. Did you meet people in the medical so when I was You're in my like, yeah the when I was when I was yeah so when cool, I was in like... Miami when I was in uh, Miami, I um I met a group of people there who um yeah who who started a medical company previously and then once I invested into uh, this new thing called um, allergy testing immunotherapy separate from their previous um, endeavors that's when you know it was my first investment in entrepreneurial i guess yeah. um uh, wow. yeah endeavor endeavor you know it's it's when you first put up your 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 own capital mm. it's when you first take that risk and going into something i had absolutely no idea about Mm-hmm. um because i didn't study anything to do with allergies testing immunotherapy, or anything was medical related someone
0: came to you with an investment <laughs> pack more like hey we're doing exactly this and it looked good and you're like "Fuck, medical yeah. in america just
1: e- exactly exactly and it was in la and i wanted to stay in la and um you yeah, it, it was attractive reason, stuff when you so i ended up getting sponsored so basically sponsored. the the company we formed um yeah. ended up sponsoring me so yeah. i um i ended up getting sponsored by the company and uh, that was a two-year two-year visa. So if you're an Australian with work experience um, or a degree, you can get a thing called an E3 visa, where the company sponsors you for an extended period of time. Um, so man, I had that visa for four years. Wow. So I just backed it up um, after, so I renewed it once, once, um, and then I renewed it again. So um, yeah, man, I did that for two two years, and that was a you know great financial. Um, I guess, uh, move for me. So, you're
0: working on the business as well, not just investing?
1: Yeah, so I, I did a lot of the business development. Okay. So, I obviously had to understand and learn about allergy testing and immunotherapy and treating patients and just doing a lot more of the business development side. So, partnerships and um, clinic operations and, and working around that on a managerial side. Mm. Um, and then um, learning it myself as well. So, you'd obviously have trained physicians and trained nurses who we would employ. And then they'd go in and do all the procedures. So, it was more so working on the business development side of it and, and understanding how we can bring this to another state or how we can bring this mm. to a government body or whomever it may be. And um I did that, did that for for two years. Um, and then man, I ended up uh, getting rid of getting rid of that completely um so the
0: business is the business still going no business
1: isn't going anymore so mate we I uh in 2017 I decided to um basically get out of the medical space it wasn't it wasn't something I really enjoyed it was a it was a great learning experience that's for sure but it wasn't something I really enjoyed um and so I ended up just deciding to to go my separate ways um and for me, it was, um, it was obviously a, it was a tough decision, but it was a decision that I still yeah. stand by. I did think you guys like, did you sell out of it or did you get Yes. Yeah, so I saw it. Yes. Yeah, so I sold out of it. I got out of that just because, um,
0: and that was kind of the capital that you could use. Yeah, the, exactly. The
1: exactly. And, um, you know, even with that though, like, I, you know, on a financial side, it was, um, know, yeah, I still lost, I'd say I lost more than I received, okay. um, for sure. But, it was probably a not, not a, it wasn't actually a successful um, endeavor in yet. Uh-huh. It actually It actually didn't, year one was really successful and then year two just didn't go well and um, man, I and I actually ended up just losing everything I put into it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so again, it's almost like you are starting from scratch. Uh, luckily, I didn't put all my life savings into it, but you know, I lost, I lost a fair about amount of the money I put into it, I guess all of that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's, again, it's, it happens, it's life. And I guess the failures for me has always been the biggest driving point mm. because you have to fail to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. You so know, you leave there. Leave there and then when It's already the in the works. The yeah, it's in the, it's, it's in the works. The yeah. So
0: you're like, all right, I'm going to put my energy into that. Yeah. So how does Aiden the Brand come into Yes,
1: yeah, so Aiden the Brand comes into it. So Aiden the Brand. Because if,
0: if it's a five-year process, you need to start making money somewhere else. Yeah, well. exactly,
1: exactly. So I actually ended up, uh, uh, still, still, uh, during that time was still chartering boats. So I still had my brokerage license. Uh-huh. So I had clients, um, whom I'd still, um, uh, charter boats to, uh-huh. um, yeah. a couple of times a year. And, you know, they were, they were big clients. And, um, you know, one of, one of our good friends, Dan and he's probably one of my, um, you know, biggest clients at, at the time. And, um, Man, I would just yeah do do that sort of stuff during during the year. Like keep me going. Keep keep me going. And um I would also then you know work on the hospitality yeah. side. So invested into the hospitality and then we started obviously thinking of the designs and working with the team on that side of things whilst still doing a lot of the yacht brokerage. Um and then mate I actually had a uh I had an opportunity to to move to New York and I was actually going through a breakup at the time. And I was actually, I was living in LA, I had a buddy in New York who was doing really well in hospitality and I was going through a breakup, um, which led me to, I was going to move to London before I moved to New York. Um, And uh, went through a breakup, didn't end up moving to London. um, And my buddy from New York called me and said, listen, do you want to come to New York and do a new project with me? And I had never lived in New York, had been there, but never lived there. And um, I decided to go to new york and give it a crack and we created a really cool membership club which was new york's highest rooftop pool and membership club and we had events there we had um you know members come through and we almost it was almost like a beach club in new york and we just ran it for the summer um so very obviously he's very grateful and thankful to um his name's barry dry and you know he and i um one of my school friends so crazy how yeah it's crazy how yeah, you know, and he was my sister's uh, sister's yeah, so he was three years older than I am. But you know, I guess when you're in but Perth, you just
0: saw that you had that networking experience. Yeah, that business. yeah, exactly, exactly. Said, "Come help me come out." Come help yeah. me out.
1: And um, mate, we ended up creating this together, and um, it was called The Century and it still operates today. And um, mate, we had an amazing you know summer together, and I lived in New York for the summer, and um, we had really cool acts come through and perform. Um, yeah, we created a really cool membership club, and. That again was was um, you know my next entrepreneurial endeavor, um, but it was something where you're living in a city like New York, which to me I thought I'd never live in a city like New York. You yeah, know, I always wanted to be by the coast. You know, Miami and and LA, all those places by the coast. And even though New York is on the coast, it's not like what we, what we get here, right? So um, I did that for a year with him in 2018 to 2019. And during that time is when I was in New York, I was, I was at Soho House one day and I was just looking at all these creatives um, and what they were doing and what they were wearing and they had their own steeves about them. And for me, I then thought to myself, there must be something I can do, which is my target demographic that can target people who are creatives and entrepreneurs and tastemakers and creators and content creators, et cetera. Mm. Um, and... I was still working on the hospitality stuff with Barry and um, that was all going really well. And I guess you guys are
0: still trying to get stuff going with the LA bar. L- LA the, bar. And, and so that was,
1: yeah, that was in the background. So working on that and then obviously working on the stuff with Barry in New York. And um, it got to the end of 2018 when I literally was on a plane. I was heading back to Australia for the Christmas period. And um, I was literally at the airport and I remember just looking around and I just kept seeing the same luggage. It was like your Samsonites and your Mowers and your Toomies, uh being, being carted around. And I then got on the plane and kept seeing it again. And, you know, it's obviously a long flight back from America. And you just sit there and you see the same thing come past. And it's almost like when you want a car and you see the car always, mm. you, you know, it's like that sort of scenario. And I kept seeing the same luggage come past. And um, similar thing to that solar House moment where, there was a lot of creators and 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 people in fashion and that they're seeing what they would wear and how they would go about their lives, et cetera. Um, and then seeing this luggage, I thought to myself, you know what, why don't I have a research non-luggage, see what the luggage market's like. Yeah. Um, I and love my- your just go
0: ahead. You're just like, <laughs> yep, let's do it. It's, yeah, like, it's so yeah. inspiring. It's something that I think so many people get so paralyzed by fear. But For you sure. just seem to have like just... Yeah, going yeah, year. man.
1: No, it's been um, it's been a, yeah, it's it's been been a process. Get off the plane, you're like get off, get off the plane, and uh, that, that whole... hard to start a brand. Yeah, know, dude, know. no, you're it's crazy. Be, like, far better than me, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy, and... it's crazy. I mean, I, uh, I, got, I on the plane during that you know fourteen hour flight. I and literally... was that
0: just a holiday back, and you're planning to go back to New York? Yeah, exactly. Building yeah. That business? yeah,
1: exactly. So we we're going to do, uh, we we're going to try and replicate that and get into more like the restaurant space in New York. And, um, mate, I just kept kept working on it um over the summer when I was back in Perth so I was back in Perth for 2 months my visa had expired so I was coming back to renew my visa and um yeah I, s- I spent 2 months over the summer in Perth just researching luggage just researching researching the industry getting to know it more and I think it was interesting because I know when the medical stuff failed for me I was like I'm never investing or getting involved with something I don't know again that mm. so was like that was one of my learning things right Here we are, luggage, which I had no idea about. But I think, again, it comes back to, like, your passion. And to me, travelling was such a huge part of my life. So – and so was being open to different lifestyles and cultures and religions, and I still think the best educational thing I've ever learned is is travelling. I think when you travel – University of life. 1,000%. 1,000%. And um, I was back in Perth for the summer, and, man, I was just researching, researching, and then I ended up going, okay – am I going to do this? Uh, let, let's let do it. So I ended up flying to Asia and man, I spent six months in Asia uh, in between you know. like China. I went to Japan. I went to Hong Kong, Vietnam and literally going through factories. So uh, through my research, I found where all the factory districts were and and um, basically how to start a luggage by, by myself. I had a buddy come over um, who's who's in fashion and understands it a lot to help me on the original um uh, yeah textiles and cuz he's he's got a really um successful um leather bags company in in London so he came over he came over for a week and we just kicked it in hong kong and went to all these cool factories and he was there through you know a bit of that process which was quite cool um but we um i well i, I got to that point where You know, I was there for six months and I ended up having translators. So I had translators to come with me because when you're in deep parts of China and and Vietnam, it's really hard to find obviously English, speaking people and and negotiate. So I ended up going through 34 different factories out of that six months and every single factory that I thought would be good, I ended up doing sampling. So over the six months, I sampled, you know, 34 different suitcases um, and obviously that in itself was – you know, you're just Expensive, watching your bank account going. Yeah.
0: And, and you're still just kind of living off these few brokerage deals. few brokerage you? deals, yeah. And so I kept
1: doing that, which is great. Um, And that such was- Such a great like backbone. It is so such a great backbone. Mate, it's, yeah. yeah. And still luckily to this day, I still do it. You, you know. That with Dan on a boat one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you out one day, mate. I think you have the wrong gender for that. But. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, we'll bring- my wakeboard ambassadors, because they can teach him how to wakeboard. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. I have a world chance um,
1: to take him out. Yeah, exactly, man, exactly. <laughs> so, um, no, nah, we'll, we'll we'll do it one day, man. But um, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, had, had that. So during that time, that was basically funding, and then I ended up having uh, the overall concept um, done. So I had my final sample done, um, and it was coming up to the time now where I go okay let's let's go and patent this thing let's go put trademarks on it let's protect what i've just built over the last six to 12 months yeah um yeah. and obviously that in itself is an expensive vigorous process especially globally too. globally it, it was yeah Trademark globally is it's huge. huge it's huge i've done just australia and that was expensive Yeah. And, oh. it, and it's a long process right so during that time you know normal pattern will take 12 to 18 months
0: and you were doing patents for different things in different language, things, yes. Yeah,
1: so it's like all fu- functionalities and then and design patterns and then logo trademarks, um, our signature print um and monogram. That's all um wow. that's all design patented as well. So for me, if I was gonna do this, I wanted do to it do it right. It right yeah, yeah, you know, and not get caught down the road after investing all this time and energy. So mate, that took me to basically um the end of 2019, start of 2020. And I was back in New York, and one of the one of uh, my good friends, Michael Heller, who I met in New York, he actually was one of our customers who would come to our bar in New York a lot. Really cool guy, bond uh, brokerage guy, and um, he did a lot of bond trading. Anyway, we formed a really cool relationship, and I basically took the idea to him. I said, "Listen, I've got this crazy idea. I spent the last year in in Asia going through." All of uh, all of these patterns and trademarks and designs and finding the right manufacturer and materials and man, I was yeah, you know, I was you know, I was in the deep jungle of China for a good yeah, yeah. six months of my life and he uh, he looked at me and said, "Listen, like show us the designs and I'll have a look at it." Um, and man, at this point, I was like, "Yeah, I need an investor because yeah. if I." yeah, I couldn't go, go and do this on my own. And yeah, you know, i
0: to actually do the like, hundred percent. Yeah. On a, on a bulk dollars,
1: good, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's, you know, that's it's exactly. So I, uh, I ended up speaking to him and he, he lent us some money to go ahead and put a bulk um, sample together uh, of our carry on case, which is our signature carry on case. Um, and mate, it, then came to, so that took four months. So then it came to March, 2020. And this is when COVID started wow. becoming rampant.
0: So what happened with the, sorry, I just want to like, yeah. I, I just like trying to wrap my head around the story. Like, yeah. they are going to have to do a movie on you one day. It's so <laughs> so your New York um, subscription base yep. place, once you like go to China, you just put that on hold and tell you, mate, you just take it. I'm yeah. just on this. Yeah, exactly. Machine.
1: Exactly. So I ended up um, just basically getting out of that. Um, and going to, going to Asia. I think, yeah, you know, that for me, it was, was call, I always yeah. wanted to do my own, own didn't thing. You didn't want to
0: be somebody else's thing that nah, you, you No, exactly.
1: To I wanted to be in my own thing. And I, and I think luggage was just, it was just a weird calling. It was just yeah. weird how it all happened. Um. I never would have thought I'd be in luggage. Yeah. <laughs> so you get this big drop. This guy invests, oh yeah, like, lends some money. So lends some money get too the first drop. Yeah, where are you
0: doing your like three PL and stuff? How did you?
1: Yeah, so mate, all
0: the three PL. So um, anyone listening, three is third party logistics, like basically shipping and stuff. Yeah, where did you exactly. Stay, where did you warehouse? Were you yeah. wholesaling? Yeah, so um, we had all
1: our warehousing and in uh, Japan. Yep. Um, and then we had it in China as well. Okay. So we had it in Shanghai, and then we had it in Osaka. And were you going like wholesaling? Or? No, so at first it was all direct to consumer. Amazing. So it was a, um, I remember the first container arriving into Perth, because um, I was back in Perth for, for the Christmas period for um, in 2000, end of 2019, start of 2020. And the container had just arrived before New Year's. And obviously in December 2019, uh, I think we first heard about COVID. Um, and I just got this brand new container, uh, 500 suitcases of all this luggage. And I was so happy and I was unpacking it with my family and we put it into my uncle's warehouse, which he owned in, um, in Perth. And it was this gigantic warehouse. And I took up a small section of it and the rest was all empty, but it was that little thing in in itself as well to me was like, you know what, I want to fill this th- whole thing up. That was like, that was a stepping stone for me where I really got amped so to yeah, speak of, of yeah of building this stuff and being in a warehouse environment going I can't wait to see this full one day and then mm-hmm. next you know month it's gone you know what I mean like yeah. um, having a look at that and um so we had the warehouse there and then um mate I then worked on the branding of it all for the for the next two months like really beginning to take it to market yeah um and then March it.
0: Uh, hey, a man, luggage
1: brand, luggage brand. brand, luxury travel. brand. Literally, COVID, uh. and mate, I was um, I was actually I was in London for for three weeks. I was there for a wedding, and then I was coming back to Australia for another wedding. And next thing you know, the the border announcement came out that yeah, you know, any Australian who's overseas come home, come home. And I was like, you know what, you know, I'm enjoying some time in London whilst I work in the brand. I'm just going to spend some time here. Uh, if it wasn't for that wedding I reckon I probably would have been stuck in London and who knows where I'd be now and have all this luggage in Australia but I end up coming back for this wedding and I came back with a carry-on suitcase because I was coming back for three days for a wedding and going back to London and a tuxedo and I remember getting off the plane and there was a huge amount of people in hazard suits and people coming onto the plane and then next you know you're getting escorted off you're getting COVID tested but you didn't have to go in a hotel quarantine so I ended up going back to my family home with my mum and, you know, poor poor her, she couldn't leave the house for two weeks because obviously I came back. It was mandatory. And, um, mate, I ended up, yeah, staying there for two weeks. Didn't have COVID, which was great, but um, the border had shut. So I had all my belongings in in London. Um, I had a carry-on suitcase and a tuxedo. (laughs) And I had nothing with me in Perth, nothing. Um, And... uh, Next thing you know, it's an 18, 18, almost 24 months, the border was shut. So I couldn't leave Australia. And I had all these, I was stuck in Perth. I was stuck in Perth until uh, April, April (laughs) 2021. So I stayed in Perth for that whole time. During that like period of of winter, I spent six months up in Broome though. Um, And again, it was, I had all of this luggage sitting in a warehouse which I couldn't touch really because it's like no one wants lucky it is because you couldn't travel. Mm. And, um, man, I ended up going out to Broome. I just said, you know what, I'm getting out of this winter. I'm going out to Broome and I just went to the family home and man, like I, I fished every day. I crabbed every day. Um, I went you know, to the beach every day, but then still working on the brand behind the scenes. So trying to figure out who our market is and doing market analysis and, really figuring out. Do you, you have know, a
0: business partner or anyone like kind of? Helping with no, him? Like so I was, didn't have anyone. So, everything.
1: so uh, Michael the who was, like, lent you the money yeah, so Michael who lent the money, he was wanting an update a, He out, was always yeah. a silent investor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's very optimistic like I am. And you know, we all thought that it was going to be six months yeah. and you know, not 24, but um, so I was up in Broome just working the brand. And that was a really, I think that honestly, I think that was the most pivotal time for me because it really allowed me to, I think if I went to market before, Covid. let's just say COVID didn't happen and I went to market then and there in early 2020, I don't think I'd be where I am today because I think I would have rushed going to market and not understanding the e-commerce sector as much as I do today Mm. um, or the brand for itself. So during that time, I was still working on updating the suitcase because even though there was COVID, you could still have the factories work and, and update suitcases. So but I you had, had 500 stock that you had. To I sell, had 500 like stock. Yeah, through. exactly. So during that time, I was like, you know what? I've got 500 suitcases of, of a carry-on size. I know I want to go out and, and create check-in sizes or a larger carry-on or soft good range. So you hadn't even sold you <laughs> I mean, any. You're planning, next- planning the next thing. It was just you know I had the oh, time and for now, um gosh. and Love I it. think the the branding element to me was huge. You know during that time we really worked on the branding. I think the branding for me was um probably the biggest thing I had to understand, but the marketing. And yeah, you know, I didn't come from a marketing background. So yeah. trying to understand the marketing side was a huge, huge learning curve. Um, and then just e-commerce in general. And then understanding who your market is and yeah. while still looking at all these suitcases in a warehouse going, what the So when I did doing? you launch and how did it launch Man, We, we and officially then... launched this year.
0: Wow, so you only officially launched this year?
1: Yeah, so we teased it last year. We teased it um, for the European summer last year and we sold a few cases it was more direct to consumer um didn't didn't market on social media didn't do any ads seo nothing nothing to do with that like we do today and um mate just started selling direct to consumer which was more so family and friends getting yeah. feedback from them what they thought of the case and how can we improve and pricing points i think that came into a lot of it and um mate we got to yeah the end of the year and um and i had a buddy of mine from la uh, fly in. He was uh, he was back living in Melbourne, and he flew into um, to Sydney to to catch up with me. Anyway, I, sh- I was showing him this prototype of the case uh, of the 500, and I was like, yeah, so this is the this is the brand, and you know, he, everyone knew I was working on this brand for a couple of years, um, and I was like, listen, he, this is the brand. Like, what like what do you think of it? Um, and he was like, man, this is really cool. Like, congratulations, etc. And that was kind of the extent of it. And then uh, two days later mate we're sitting at a restaurant and he goes listen I've got something to tell you, you know? and I was like what do, you, what do you have to tell me and um he was, was really nervous about it and um I just remember him going listen like I love what you're doing would you consider having me come on as a partner and this is obviously we've just gone through COVID we're still going through COVID um but you know at that time I was like how am I going to now bring out more sizes and how am I going to bring out more soft goods where I haven't sold many of these units of 500. And um, mate, being a a really good mate of mine and him being in that creative space, I was like, absolutely. So he then came on as an investor and still during COVID, we started manufacturing. So we went and started manufacturing the check-in case, um, which was the medium and then the duffel bags, the backpacks. We did laptop sleeves, Love the
0: blind faith that it's going to do well. With crazy, that. It's crazy, so and
1: and crazy. mate, we probably had sold 15 units of the 500. Wow. Um, but he saw the vision, and so did I, and he saw the product, and I think the product, as, as it you know, speaks for
0: itself. Yeah, we had a good look at it before yeah. we started recording. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it? um, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to grabbing someone. Yeah, absolutely. Like, no, oh,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it'd be cool. Um, and to to have him then come on and and obviously fund that next part of part of growth. And to have a friend involved who was who was active really helped me. I guess um, educate your own self on on you know you, everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and it was great because we really complement each other on that standpoint. Um, and then, mate, we ended up yeah, obviously creating all the bulk goods, um, and then officially went to market yeah this year. How's it has been going? that's been good yeah yeah it's been really good yeah it's um it's been exciting I think like anything everything is, takes time it's yeah. step by step and it's just learning to trust the process I mm. think through this whole thing learning to trust the process has been my biggest thing to understand because we all want it now yeah and it's just not the case and I think if you chase the money you're, you're in the wrong space where this for me just felt so right similar to um i guess the yacht breaking which i still do yeah which that seems like this is the biggest godsend for you that you've got 100%. this like because so many people would be like
0: oh i want to go and start something but i don't have that
1: not cushiness
0: of yeah. like something like that i wouldn't even call it passive income because yeah. you still
1: obviously have to work for it but it's just yeah. something that you can do without having to be there 100 man 100 and um you know still having those lifelong relationships with with your clients as well Mm-hmm. um has been amazing and, and i spend the summers in europe so every every year i'd go there for four months and i still stay with, with steve um and and eve um over there and mate just have the have the best time and we've just got such a great bond and you know he's he's, he's honestly like my second dad so i've learned so much from him um so very grateful to he and Rhonda and, and just my own family you know my mum and dad and my stepdad they've been huge advocates for me and basically pushing me to do things I want to do. It, yeah. it was, you know, taking the route in which I wanted to, to take. It's a, it's a risk, obviously, and yeah, yeah. it's something in which uh, I think your parents go, what are you doing? <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's been amazing. This year has been incredible. It's, um, we've had a really good successful year with the brand. We've bought out more, more products, more sizes. So we continue to reinvest everything we make back into it. Um, we've even bought on more investment now. Um, from from a guy here in Australia, and he's come on as an investor as well to now get it to the next stage. So um, having him come on has been obviously instrumental to to our growth. Um, but you know we're now getting into the retail side. So we just closed. Probably, I probably won't say the name just yet.
0: Eh, but um,
1: yeah, but we just signed a huge retail deal in the US with uh, you know US's largest high end retailer, and then the same in the UK. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. So both of those are, you know, we've worked really hard on, hard on, you know, trying to get those done. And then, we're here in Australia on the iconic, and the iconic's been an amazing platform. So, See. yeah, it's it's and you all, can buy all direct exciting. from your website too. Yeah, like, all direct from the website. Yeah,
0: I'll um, I'll definitely leave a bunch of stuff in the show notes. Yeah, sure awesome. You go just check it out and have a look at. Yeah, them. definitely. Or, do you want to explain like what's different about yours than going and buying a Samsonite?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's a it's a flirty piece of luggage. I like to call it. It's mm. very flirty. I think when you look at it, it's a I like to say it's a sexy piece of luggage. It's very confident looking, but it's more so on the durability. I think the durability element for us was a huge huge thing to understand and build because we all know what cases yeah. are like and get thrown around and- um, no. zip break. Zips break. So having a non-zip suitcase, so we've, we've got a latch lock system um, was a huge thing that we designed. Um, and then having a braking system. So the braking system for us, we're the first ones to do it. It's basically a push and release braking system. So if you're on a hill or you're on public transport and your suitcase is running around, or you're trying to chase it down a hill, you push a button and it locks your wheel so it doesn't run away from you. Yeah. So that's been quite cool um, and a point of difference. But um, you know, Japanese materials and, and Italian materials and German materials and assembling all that together. And that still comes back to that due diligence phase where you know I went to Germany and I went to Italy and all these places because you have to understand, I guess, with the suitcase, you've probably got 40 different components mm. and you have to all go to different factories or suppliers and then find one factory who can accept that and put it all together. Mm. So um, I think that's been a huge thing. It's all of our materials come from different parts of the world and you form it into one shell, um, which has been cool. So I'd say, yeah, the durability and the, and the aesthetic. yeah, um, And you know, we like to say we, we intersect fashion design um, and aesthetic, and it's really for for the tastemaker.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. The insides, like like you said, all such high quality. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> materials and textiles, but then also the lock systems. Yeah, really unique. It's something I hadn't seen before until yeah. you showed me. Just it's cool, isn't it? Is really cool. <laughs> yeah, but man, it's um, it's so cool. Like your story is just one of the most <laughs> unique I've ever heard. from yeah. Growing up on a pearl farm. Yeah. Going to school at like a private school, and then heading over to. Like I'm trying to remember the parts of your story. Heading to travel, and yeah, then yeah, to brokering boats in Europe. It's been, early it's been a 20s. ride, man.
1: It's been a ride, but then, it's
0: been amazing. Yeah, starting your thing in New York, being in the bloody medical industry. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's so
1: crazy trying to like piece it all together. I know. It's been I really know. cool getting trust to know it Trust me, my parents are like, "What are you doing?" For <laughs> oh, my friend, I mean, you know, like, To be honest, a lot of my I've always been quite private as well, mm. you know, I, I guess. Yeah, I feel very grateful that you've let me in on this No, story for sure, for sure. I, I think, don't know how
0: many times you've, if you've even probably, no, told, I I really probably told it. No, I haven't really probably told it
1: because I think, you know, I like to keep my, a lot of these things Cars to myself close, because yeah. I think, you know, people like to ruin beautiful things. I've mm. always said that and I think and I've been a real advocate for if you say something and it doesn't come through, it's almost like you're, 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 mm. you're giving yourself bad luck
0: yeah um, so
1: it's really interesting you say that because it's something that I
0: used to think mm. but now I've, I've flipped it and I try and tell everyone everything because <laughs> what I've learned, it might be quite a bit different because of the industry that yeah. I'm in but by telling people what I'm planning on doing I get people go oh I can help you with that 100% but if you don't yeah. tell people then you miss out on opportunities so definitely I think there's a seesaw I agree. With I agree I agree and
1: I think I've learned that through aiding the brand I mm. think for me I'm such an advocate for the brand because I truly believe in it obviously I, I use it all the time and It's more of a passion project. I think for me, I've finally found my true passion. Mm. And I think during all the things I've done, I was chasing the money. Yeah. And, you know, some worked out, some didn't. But, you know, you look at like the hospitality side, you look at the luggage side, you look at the chartering side, that all comes down to lifestyle. Yeah. And that's where I like to say our brand is different because we try to give it more of a lifestyle. So I'd like to say it's more of a lifestyle brand than travel because – Although it's called Aiden and it's named after myself, I really think it portrays me in a way of just get out there and go for it mm. and explore the world. And our slogan and, and our motto is the world is waiting because wow. it truly is. And you know, like I said, I think that's still been my best education. And I think anyone who asks me, I, I tell them travel the world because life's short and if you don't do it, you, you're going to die wondering. And You just learn so many things and the network I've been able to create Mm -hmm. over there, similar to you with what you've been doing um, your entire life, you know, through surfing and now, um, you know, the podcasting, when you meet certain people and you have this, uh, an amazing connection with them and you grow your network, I think that's probably one of the most special things you can do. And
0: I think that's a really important thing to highlight with your story that sure there might've been a bit of privilege with family help, but also... Your first, your first time you went overseas came off the back of you landscaping for Absolutely. six months yeah. to then go and travel. Whereas yeah. people just come up with all these excuses. Whereas if you work really hard for a sustained period of time for six yeah. months and save your money and don't go out and get on the piss every weekend exactly. and yeah. do the stereotypical yeah. thing that we all do, and then go and travel and experience the world, but yeah. then also put yourself in situations where opportunities can happen. Yeah. Whether it be like you going along the docks and you know what I mean? Yeah, like finding yeah, exactly. or pestering this guy to get that opportunity yeah. or going to the war, um, war week the day after. because yeah. of the so like, There's so many pivots in your story that came from just doing, just doing, yeah. just actually taking a yeah. step out of your comfort zone and yeah. going out there and having a conversation that might feel
1: a bit awkward or Absolutely. uncomfortable, but being yeah. open to it. Exactly. And I think one of my biggest things I've, I've learned and, you know, it's Shoe Dog, uh, this book. Right? Oh, um, I loved it. Oh, yeah, it's one of the greatest yeah, inspirational like books. A I've, like it's a similar not. similar scenario, right? Where he just went, he took a limb, he went out to Asia and started manufacturing shoes, which, you know, he had a passion for track, but shoes he had no idea about. Mm. Similar thing to luggage. I think, you know, the lifestyle, but, you know, their slogan, just do it. I only found out this the other day. It made so much sense, but their slogan, just do it, is literally about just doing it. It's taking the step. It's not... You know, when you think of Nike, you go, Nike's for successful athletes mm-hmm. and it's for athletes only. And it wasn't until I actually uh, was listening to an um, interview with him. He goes, Just do it means it's for the people who are going out when it's raining and you see a light pole flickering and we're the ones standing under the light pole, um, you know, eating, eating you on. Mm-hmm. And it just came to me so privilegedly that I was like, you know what? Just do it is literally just doing it. It doesn't mean anything else apart from that. And I think if you don't take that plunge into taking the, you know, oh, yeah. the adversity to, to go out and do these things, you never know, you're never going to know. And I've always been the advocate for I just want to try everything in life. Mm. And I think I finally found the passion. And I still want to do, obviously, many other yeah. things. And, and how I think, old are you now? Uh, so I'm 31 yeah, lot, man. Yeah, sure. it's, like, <laughs> it's been crazy, man. Like I think, you know, the hospitality for me, I still want to do a lot of things in hospitality. Yeah. Because again, it's it's seeing a good group of people come together to a venue and enjoy, um, live life and laugh. That's that's amazing, right? Yeah. Um so I still want to venture into the hospitality stuff. So I've I'm working on a couple of things. Yeah, so in, you've
0: just opened a yeah, just open a yeah, bar, opened a, yeah like a, a big restaurant. yeah, a
1: restaurant on Rodeo Drive, yeah. which is um which is crazy, but you know, we're working on a couple of new things for America next year um, in, in the hospitality side. And then we've obviously got the luggage brand. work
0: with only businesses there and visas? Uh, so I'm from, just curious about visas because I'm like working on yeah, yeah. visas a lot lately with my partner. But Yeah, yeah. yeah how,
1: so uh, originally you can get the investment visa. So okay. if you invest a certain amount into the American economy and it goes to actual physical use for, for a company, you yeah. can get an investment visa. Okay. So I've had one of those and then – Every time I go back now, I um, I basically get a sponsorship through through the companies I own. So yeah. I've got four companies in America that I own now. Wow! And so I get sponsored through one of them, depending upon what it is, whether it's in hospitality, brokerage, or um, or, or luggage. That's uh, so cool. And yes yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been crazy. So yeah, you get you get the sponsorship visa, which is um, a lot of Australians have. It. It's just an e three, um, but yeah, really really cool visa to have because it gives you the independence to come and go. Yeah. you work for an employer so you've got the safety of an employer paying you a particular wage and um yeah man it's been a it's been a journey so i think next year for me it will be a lot of america yeah that was the question yeah.
0: before we asked my wrap-up question yeah. what um what's in the future what are you excited for yeah. what are you looking to achieve over the next let's call it 12 to 18 months now that the world is open for the yeah. company and your restaurants open like seems like now you've spent the last couple of years really building that foundation. Absolutely. And now yeah. it's time to take time the world. Exactly. I think the, um,
1: the world is waiting. Exactly. I love it. It's. Um, <laughs> I think the next thing for me is um, working on yeah a few of these hospitality projects. I think that for me is obviously such a huge passion driver. So investing into certain hospitality projects with my partners in, in LA um, and then possibly doing something here in Sydney. Sydney. I think there's a great market here in Sydney and there's still things that I think a left unturned stuff. I think so, yeah. And a lot of those concepts from Europe and America, I think could do really well here. So I'd like to entertain doing something here in Australia, being on Australian soil Um, and just working on the brand, man. I think working on the brand for me, it's, you know, continuing getting retailers, working on um, celebrity endorsement and partnership deals and just growing the brand to have more colorways and Mm. more sizes and more materials and um, really just get to a point of, you know, um, in the next 24 months look to bring on a larger scale investor where you can then go and take it on globally mm. you know not just you know in certain parts of the world and take it to a global scale um, and just seeing people use the brand I think that's been the most humbling thing I've I've experienced so far is just going through airports and seeing people use your brand Safe. that's been a pretty cool cool feeling and I think that's one thing which just keeps you going. You go, okay, you're going to have bad days. And I've always said everything in life is temporary. Mm. You, know, you always have bad days. And, mate, it's been a roller coaster for us. Um, it hasn't been all roses. It's been, you know, yeah, we've man. been in a lot of <laughs> trenches, uh, as any business does. But um, I think when you see people use the brand or you get a nice review or you just explore the world yourself and you keep understanding ways to improve. Yeah, and you know, being a you know, your own business owner, I think you know, even similar to your podcast, I think you always, you're always working. No um, matter if you go on a holiday, I'm you're gonna, always. You probably don't actually know what I do. <laughs>
0: but I, I do a lot more than my podcast. So I tell you off air after, like, cause yeah, awesome. Thing, yeah, I've got so much shit going on, but it's, it's there, crazy,
1: but... right? It's like, but you can't switch off. It's, yeah. it's, and people go, "Oh, take your break, switch off." But I think when you have your own thing running and you've got your 24 seven it goes from like you create a business so you escape the nine to five so you jump into the 24 seven exactly exactly it it might look all glamorous like here staying here and you know working from here but like it's it really is a 24 seven business and Mm. I think because we work in America and the UK and Europe a lot the time differences so you're up early or you're up late at night so during the day here in Australia, you get a bit of time to yeah. do your own thing. So we'll go for a little surf, after this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll <laughs> okay. go for a It looks alright. Really nice.
0: <laughs> looks the, good. Two last questions I want to ask you. Yep. First one: What sort of advice would you have for someone who is yep. young and wants to be entrepreneurial, but might be being held back a bit by fear or by finance? What sort of advice would you give someone who yep. wants to have a go and really take on the world?
1: Um, the advice I'd probably say is um, figure out a way to do it. I think. I think trying to brainstorm ways, if it's a financial hurdle, figure out a financial way to to make it happen, whether that's putting together a concept, putting together a deck. And I think if you believe in it as much as you think you do, someone's gonna back you no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if it's a financial hurdle or figure out a way to just start it, even if it's a small step, Mm -hmm. go work somewhere for a year, save up the money and then put that towards it. So I think from an investment standpoint, people like seeing you invest in it first. So yeah, if you're personally, 100%, if you're personally invested into it, they know, okay, they're just not relying on my money and if it yeah. fails, it is it is what it is. Yeah. It's their, they've actually personally put capital yeah. in. Similar to me, you know, I spent two years developing the brand, putting every single cent I had into it and then going to an investor and saying, listen, I've spent this amount of money, I've got it to here, it's all done. Would you like to come on as an investor? Yeah. And I think seeing that for sure, um, the other thing of just doing it, I think, the advice I would probably say is, I think, and and, you know, you hear it a lot, but passion, Mm. you know, finding what you're passionate about because if you're passionate about it, you're going to do what it takes to to get it done. Yeah. And don't chase the money. You know, I learned that from early on stage. It was, you know, I think you all want to live a certain lifestyle and you, you know, especially for me living in Monaco and these places, I was like, I want to live this lifestyle. So you chase different things to get you to that lifestyle without, really learning or understanding that yeah maybe you're not even passionate about it Mm. so i think finding out what you're passionate about and i think it doesn't have to be like finance or it doesn't have to be something that involves money on that level i think for me it was i was passionate about traveling Mm. so if i'm passionate about traveling what can i do on a business front to um utilize that yeah same with i love going out to restaurants Okay, well, why don't you go out and create your own restaurant where you can Mm. eat for free, (laughs) you know? Similar things like that. It was, you know, and then I love boats, so why not, you know, why not, and you've got a lot of friends. Yes, you you know what I mean? So it was finding passion, biggest advice. That's Man,
0: you've had like the <laughs> craziest 10, like 15 years. I'm mean, excited uh, so to fair see fair where mental. the future goes. And Thank yeah, I'll you. leave in the show notes Um, your restaurant. Awesome, man. I'll leave in the show notes, obviously, Aiden, the brand, yeah. um, so people can check out your luggage. But awesome. the last question I do finish every Good Humans podcast with yeah. is what does being a good human mean to Aiden Walsh?
1: Being a good human, uh, to me, I feel, is someone just being nice. I think it's so easy to be nice. Um, and being a good human is someone who's humble, someone who's gratifying, someone who gives back, I think is um a huge thing and to me. Um and I think just accepting people for who they are. Mm. I think you never know what is going on in someone's mind. And, and I think as a society we're really quick to judge. And so I've learned just to take a step back because you never know what that person's going through. So yeah. I think being a good human is just understanding that everyone's got shit going on. Mm. Empathy. Empathy, it's it's life's tough. Um, And if you can be there for someone when you you need to be there, I think that's a big, big step to do. Um, And just being grateful for life, being blessed because there's so many more people out there who have it worse than we do. And I think we obviously forget that at times. And um, I think you get to that stage of life where, you know, especially now that I'm getting into my 30s and you start seeing families and you see your mates get married and have kids, I think you see that that's beautiful. You know, you see that love is beautiful kindness is beautiful being nice is beautiful being humble is beautiful and just knowing that you are blessed and um to to not judge a book by its color because everyone's got shit going on mate
0: very well put it's been a pleasure getting to know your story fuck it was that was probably one of the craziest <laughs> hour and a half of no. like, a, somebody's journey ever yeah, dude. like i said i'm excited to see where it comes awesome, all the man. stuff will be in the show notes cool mate. big thanks for jumping on good My
1: thank you brother appreciate it man legend. appreciate you legend